Would you please stand as you are able for the reading of scripture, which is Psalm 84, selected verses. Hear these words. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar. Lord Almighty, my God and my King, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make a place of springs. The autumn rains also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength until it appears before, until each appears before the God in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on your shield, O God. Look for favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And before you're seated, just turn to your neighbor and greet them in the, with the peace of Christ and say hello. Again, we're glad you're here today. This psalm is always a special one when I hear it. Like many of you, I enjoy traveling. Traveling is something that Karen and Quinn and I enjoy doing together. We like to explore new places near and far. We like to explore new foods, new cultures. We even watch TV shows that have to do with traveling like Rick Steves or House Hunter International. But the pandemic has created in me a, a type of wanderlust. Wanderlust comes from the German, literally meaning a desire to wander. Several years ago, Emilio Estevez and Martin Sheen made a movie called The Way. And it became one of my favorite films. It's about a father and son, which they are in real life. And the son is going to walk this 500 mile trek across Northern Spain called the Camino de Santiago, or the Way of St. James. The son dies while going through the Pyrenees across the French-Spanish border. And that's where the pilgrimage begins. So his father flies to the southwest corner of France and decides that he will complete the Camino de Santiago with his son's ashes and belongings now. The story is about letting go. The story is about focusing and making the main thing the main thing. It's about the people that you meet on the journey and although it's a Christian pilgrimage, people of all walks of life make this journey. All faiths and no faith, young and old, most looking for something, many looking for nothing. 
The Camino began in the ninth century and it was created after the discovery of relics in Santiago, Spain of St. James. You know, St. James, the son of Zebedee, the disciple of Jesus. And it's said to be one of the three major pilgrimages for Christians, the third after Jerusalem and Rome. The original folks traveling to Santiago were pilgrims, considered pilgrims, the minute they walked out their front door. Wherever they were traveling from, that's where the pilgrimage began. Now there are several formal, formal routes that are designed for pilgrims to travel to Santiago. The most familiar is the French path from St. John Pied-de-Port in France across the Pyrenees into Spain. You go through Pamplona, Burgos, finally arriving in Santiago. For housing, you might have to stay in a communal place with bunks, or you might treat yourself to a hotel or a B&B on the way. Either way, you will probably be nursing your blistered feet wherever you are. Most pilgrims carry everything they own in their backpack, and they walk 15 to 20 miles a day, getting up with the sun coming up, and then stopping whenever they feel they need to stop. Some pilgrims do the whole thing, the whole Camino de Santiago, in about a month. Some take a week or two and then leave to go home and then come back the next year, a few years later, and complete it. Many pilgrims have walked the Camino de Santiago again and again throughout their lives. The common greeting along the path the common goodbye or hello is, simple, is simply buen camino, meaning good path or good journey or good walk. It's a journey that you have to prepare for. Now, and I've read many books on what to take, and everyone has a different idea about what certain necessities really are to each individual person. But one thing that they all had in common was that they started with a full backpack. However, somewhere along the way, they realized that they didn't need all of that stuff. And as pilgrims do this, their backpacks begin to get lighter and lighter, and they leave some of those things behind. It's kind of like a lay your burdens down type of thing. We all know those things that weigh us down in our lives, whether it be anger or relationships or sadness or maybe even the need for forgiveness. As Christians, we're often told to lay our burdens down. But sometimes it's easy to forget that we really do need some basic things in life. There are other things that we carry around and we know that they are just a hindrance. We're never called to lay down all of our burdens, 
We're called to lay down the burdens that we shouldn't be carrying in the first place. Now, after all this talk about pilgrimage in the Camino de Santiago, you may be thinking, what does this have to do with Psalm 84? But I think it has everything to do with Psalm 84 because it is a psalm of pilgrimage. One commentary mentioned that this psalm is to have been written for the fall festival, right as summer is changing into fall, for the harvest time, and that pilgrims are longing to take that trek to Jerusalem. And so they sing this song in anticipation of being back on the temple grounds where they feel God's presence the most. Maybe it's a tiny bit of a similarity of when you've had a long car ride and you've been gone and then you cross back over the Arkansas line and everyone cheers that's in the car, gives a big yay or wakes up. Or, or maybe it's like wheels down at, at Clinton Airport and everyone on the airplane cheers. Or, or maybe you haven't been where home is for a long, long time. The place you grew up, the place with special memories. And then you take the turn, the familiar turn down that road that leads to that place. I've also known people who have been away from this house of worship for a long period of time. And then they come back and they openly weep as they sit in the pews because they know that they are home. When we first open the doors to the sanctuary after a long period of doing only online worship during the pandemic, people would occasionally show up at the church doors and say, can I just go in the sanctuary for a minute, just for a second, to pray? Then we look back at our psalm. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. My soul yearns and even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Now think about that for just a moment. Can you really imagine feeling that way? My heart and my flesh, they cry out. Have you ever seen a baby cry? Really cry? They contort their bodies into something unbelievable because they're using their whole being, their whole body, just to cry out. And that's the image that I see in this verse. And then the psalmist continues, as creation even finds a place of refuge, a place of rest in the sanctuary. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar, Lord Almighty, my King and my God. The psalmist rejoices that humble sparrows and swallows find sanctuary on the temple grounds 
where they're protected, where they're seen, where they, they feel that they're surrounded by the presence of God as well. And they start to populate the nooks and crannies of the temple walls. You can still see birds nesting on the western wall today in, in Jerusalem, in the old city. And as the birds find safe sanctuary, we find safe sanctuary too in sacred places. Verse 5 continues, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength until each appears before, the God, in, before God in Zion. Of course, we're all familiar with the passing through some valleys on our journey of life. Nobody really knows where the Valley of Baca is that the scripture refers to, but I would guarantee that we have all been there at some point or another. And the point of the song is not the valley, but it's the life-giving spring that gives the pilgrim strength to keep moving on toward their target of being at the temple in Jerusalem. It's really amazing how when you travel through the desert outside of Jerusalem, there are lush respites that just pop up along the way. And they truly go from gathering strength to gathering strength so that they can keep their eyes on their ultimate goal of being fully in the presence of God. I firmly believe that God sometimes appoints each of us to provide that respite for other weary travelers on the journey. Now, one interesting thing of note is that this psalm was written, uh, the authors are the Korites, uh, the sons of Korah. Now, the Korahites are set aside for the service of the Lord. We read about that in 1 Chronicles. They are placed in charge of the place of worship, the works of worship, and they are the keepers of the thresholds doorkeepers to the sanctuary. This is a long-held position in the sanctuary that can be dated back to the time of the book of Numbers. So they speak with experience when writing this psalm about the blessedness of dwelling in the sanctuary. And this is highlighted in Psalm 84, verse 10. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. So the work of the Korahites centered on the daily service to God and opening the door for others to join in worship. And there's more to the story about the sons of Korah. In Numbers chapter 16 and 17, Korah and others, other men, uh, 250 men, revolt against Moses and Aaron. And the purpose of the revolt was about a change of leadership. And as the leaders stood in opposition and stood outside the tents, 
the ground opened up and swallowed them. It consumed Korah and many of the others. Only a few would survive. And the few who survived, they, sur they found grace in their lives by being spared and being assigned to be servants in the sanctuary. This provides even more meaning to Psalm chapter 84. And they sing from experience about how it was better to be there in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tents of the wicked who oppose God. And if you really think about what a definition of a doorkeeper is, there are many types of doorkeepers. We have those that greet you at the door as you come in a place of worship to welcome. There are also doorkeepers at other places that are more like bouncers, keeping others from getting into their place of worship. To act as, as a bouncer to a place of holiness would be like saying, I know how to do church better and you don't belong here. It also directly challenges God in a way because God is the one ultimately responsible and has authority to the entrance of these holy places. As doorkeepers, we're simply here to prepare a place for others. When we see ourselves as greeters, whether we are at the door or in here as people come in, we can share in the excitement. We can share in the excitement for what's prepared for those who enter to worship God fully. Many journey throughout the week to seek a place to be church. The church provides anticipation to those who need hope in the midst of what's going on in their lives, peace in the midst of chaos, comfort in the midst of distress. It's truly a place of renewal. Psalm 84 is typically categorized as a song of Zion. The Temple Mount, the hill in Jerusalem, and it was in ancient times, and it was, even to this day, one of the most religiously hallowed places in the world. The first time that I traveled to Jerusalem, our guide, Hannah, fired up the Bill Gaither Trio singing the holy city and I thought this is the hokiest thing I've ever heard in my life our, our little Jewish guide thinks that you know we've got the Americans on the bus we're going to play the Bill Gaither trio and our bus reached a summit and there was the golden dome of the rock perched upon the temple mount within the walls of the old city. And as I sat there and listened to Bill Gaither sing Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, I felt a tear just kind of roll down my cheek. And immediately something changed. The moment changed from hokey to holy. 
While ancient Israel grew to understand that God, the presence of God was everywhere, Jerusalem and especially that temple represented a, a unique intersection where God, it was a thin space, where God descended and met us here, a very holy place. Later, we would pray at the Western Wall, and you can put little slips of paper of people you want to pray for in those cracks. And the, the Western Wall is actually a retaining wall of Herod's second temple expansion. But I was drawn back to that place again and again. The night before we flew back, I made one more walk from our hotel to that place just by myself. And as I left that holy place, I was overcome with the fact that not only does God's spirit dwell there, but also knowing that God desires to always dwell among us too. Among us and within us. And maybe that was what I was supposed to bring home from that journey, from that pilgrimage. At the end of the Camino de Santiago, they have a huge pilgrim's mass where people can go to celebrate the end of their journey, the end of their pilgrimage. Every day it welcomes hundreds and sometimes thousands of people, many kissing the concrete outside the, uh, the cathedral, some hugging the statue of St. James on the outside, many just crying because their feet hurt. But however, there are a lot of pilgrims that don't stop there. They move on to Finisterre. Finisterre is about 50 plus miles toward the coast from Santiago. In ancient times, Finisterre was considered the end of the earth because it was as far as you could go. In 2016, my friend, a member here, Miller Wilburn, did a 300-mile trek on the Camino de Santiago. And I want to close with something that he wrote to me as he finished his pilgrimage in Finisterre. And here's what it said. It's almost his own personal Psalm 84. The road ends not in Santiago, but in Finisterre. It is not the shrill music of the pilgrim's mass in the great cathedral that sounds the end of the way, but the quiet voice of waves and wind that welcomes me here as no city ever could. So as I approach these cliffs, ending the road for a ridge of rocks called the end of the earth, I am struck silent, caught fast between the sea and the sky. Quickly I discard my shoes and socks to stand with naked feet on the holy cliffs. I walk slowly, just a few more steps, and I sit, a truer pilgrim, alone before the God of the ocean than among the jostling crowds of the cathedral. A jut of rock stretched out like an offering 
over the foam and beneath the clouds. A seat of stone for a weary wanderer with road behind and more ahead. Swarms of floating bugs about, clinging to clothes and skin. Sunburn spreading on my nose and cheeks remind me that the world is not mine. I am the world's. I am a creature and sometimes a humble creator. There's no cathedral, no dome or buttress to match the mountains to my left or ocean on the right. No proud basilica, gold-gilded, a strong-walled, high-ceilinged, is like this temple of sea and sky. This place is free from the storms of flashing cameras, from the cacophony of clinking coins there. In that place where gold above, if sold, could quench dry mouths, fill aching bellies below. This little yellow flower sprouting at my feet between my toes is a truer altar for the Spirit of God than any table of gold. Here before the skyline, salt wind in my face, I receive my benediction. Here with bare feet, bruised and battered, scarred and scored, but stronger than before, I will start walking. The still small voice, you've learned to walk, but only a little way. There are miles and miles ahead, I know, even farther than that thin line I can barely spy, pressed beneath the sky and sea. I watch for hours, unwilling to turn from the ocean. And when I go from here, nothing so bright as a yellow arrow no golden seashell calls me forward. From destination back to journey, from rest again to road, from simple walk to convoluted life, I must go. Wander, wander far, but come back home. Share what you see. Find a companion, some humble seeker, to wander again, reluctantly, reluctantly, Socks slip back on and shoes are tied, for the road is rough, not often so holy as here. But my feet are stronger than before. Buon Camino, my friends. Amen. <laughs>